I'd like to start the show by thanking all of the Cortexans and the many, many book recommendations that came flooding in after I uh, requested them on the last show. I was upset. Why were you upset? Because I was getting emails. Oh, you were getting emails? Yeah. For me? For you. They, but they could just put it in the Reddit. I know. Because... <laughs> Which is why like, I'm sorry to all those people, but I archived every single one of them and Gray doesn't get the recommendations. I get, I get it if you don't use Reddit, but like, you know, think about me. I have a contact form on my website. Like people could use yeah, it. Yeah, go to him. Don't come to me. I'm sorry, Mike, but it does, it, does, it does make me laugh. I think in the end, the final tally was 200 plus books added to the potential recommendation list. Hmm. And I, I also have to say, when you ask for something on the internet, you never, you never know what you're going to get. And you also don't know how well people are going to follow instructions. And I was very pleased that like very few business books slipped through. Hmm. It was mostly the kind of stuff that I was looking for, interesting nonfiction, uh, but not business books, nothing we would read for Cortex Homework. So thank you very much to all the Cortexans and don't, don't message Mike in the future, but I would, I would like to keep this open as a, as like a, Hey, ever read a good book? Feel free to let Gray know on the Reddit, pass it along. A good place for that is the Cortex subreddit. Yeah. Yeah. That is a really good place. Cause that's where like a place where people can submit things that are kind of more long running in the canon of the show like people yeah, still submit yeah. their home screens every now and then right like that is just like a good place to put this kind of stuff because it is a group of people who in theory will be interested possibly in that thing because they've chosen to join that community so yeah i didn't think about that but that, that's a great idea and you can also get a little a little discussion going there mm-hmm. and yeah so keep them open people are always looking for good and interesting books and thank you for all of your suggestions i really appreciate it while we're dealing with thank yous, I would like to thank everybody who signed up to become a Relay FM member to get our wonderful special episode, Danger Town Beatdown. Danger Town Beatdown. Exactly. It's so there fun is, to say it's every so time. Much like. fun. Yeah, I love it. Although I'd sometimes say Danger Beat Downtown or something. Like it, it's, it's, <laughs> they're like four little words that can get mixed up in my brain sometimes. Uh, but since the last episode, there is now a video trailer. So you may have heard our audio trailer last time. Uh, Gray put together a video trailer. Probably not Gray. Definitely not Gray. Gray instructed the creation of a video trailer. Uh, but it is incredible. Every year they get better too. Um, and the video trailer this year is fantastic. Uh, you can see it at cortexspecial.com, um, and you can also uh, sign up to become a member there to get the special episode if you haven't already. So that's cortexspecial.com for that. Thank you to everybody that has done it. It is, it is genuinely very enjoyable. And yes, thank you to everybody who signed up and supported Relay and got to listen to all of the great specials from all of the great shows. So... I very recently came back from our five-year celebrations in San Francisco, which was like a whole huge thing. So we did, I mean, we, I spoke about it on the show before, right? Like we did this big live show, which there is, we, we played Family Feud. Uh, it was like 20 Relay FM hosts in total. Does everyone in the world know what Family Feud is? I feel like this is a very American Family thing. Feud in America, Family Fortunes in the UK. Oh, Okay. So, so this would be known then. In the UK, it would be, yeah. In the English-speaking world. Mm-hmm. It is okay. like a, a team-based game where you are 
answering questions based upon a poll of other people. So, like, we polled the Relay FM audience and got over 3,000 responses to a mm. selection of questions. And then your job as a player of the game is not to guess the right answer, it's to guess the most guessed answer by the people that were surveyed. It's an interesting way to play a game, and it becomes even more interesting when you know the exact type of person that would answer the questions, which are Relay FM podcast listeners. So it's like it skews stuff a little bit. Yeah, um, it, it becomes very, I think, you think, I think. Like that's, yes. That's what this is. And that was definitely how the game went. But it was wonderful. There is audio and video of this event that's been published, in case you're wondering. I'll put links in the show notes. I think it's worth watching the video to see how good my suit was because I had a very nice suit on. Your your suit was very nicely tailored, Mike. Thank you. I, yeah, it was actually tailored. I got it. I really went big for this one. I was very happy with my bright blue suit. Um, this whole thing, though, because I was away for a couple of weeks, and this is when me and Stephen get together and we do kind of like our founders' time every year. We do this like we get together and just like spend time together, talk about things that are on our mind with the company. It gives us an. I feel for me anyway, it gives me a nice kind of reset every year. Hmm. Um, and you know, we did it around the, uh, the five year anniversary, which is nice. I got another tattoo. I got our five year logo tattoo. I did see that five year logo tattoo. I think it looks pretty good. Yeah. You saw it in the future. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. What? <laughs> I can't deal with this right now. <laughs> no, no, no. Wait. Yes. I, okay. Now you, you're doing it again, Mike. If you just didn't say anything, it would have been fine. But this is the second show where we're sort of breaking each other's brains about what has <laughs> happened in the actual timeline and what has happened in the recording timeline. Yeah, everyone's supposed to be confused right now. It will make okay. sense at a later date. But I okay, couldn't help myself right. at that moment because I had to like envision when it was. And it no, don't do this to me again, Mike. Yeah, because like it would be fun. just don't mention the time paradoxes. Okay, <laughs> we could have we could have we could have blown past it. Gone done it now. right by that. And how in in the Sorry. future I saw. Your tattoo, mm -hmm. which looks great, uh, ab above or below? I guess from which, from whichever perspective it is, it's for below. the generic relay, yeah, artwork, podcast uh, artwork tattoo thing, as well. Yeah. So that's your mm -hmm. podcast arm. Is that the plan? It's, it's my. Uh, I don't know what it is. Yeah, I think it might be just like my important things arm. Important things arm. Yeah. What's the other arm then? I haven't made up my mind yet. Okay. Because I've only got two tattoos so far. There'll be more. Hmm. But this whole thing, like being away for a couple of weeks doing this live show, uh, it was a pretty big undertaking at a time where we're already pretty busy, which is like our membership season and stuff like that, um, yeah. as well as just trying to run the company in general. Uh, and it also being sandwiched in between our other two busy seasons, right, which is WWDC and kind of like September when new products start coming out. Uh, now, obviously, obviously for for listeners, it makes sense that you launched Relay at this time of year, mm -hmm. five years ago. Mm -hmm. But every time it's an anniversary, it always does feel like maybe you should have launched it at a different point in the year so yeah. that it doesn't feel like everything happens over the summer. Yeah, It's like you have all of the summer travel, all of the conferences, which makes for you and for everyone involved in Relay coordinating the schedules of recording podcasts mm -hmm. much harder which has all of this ripple effect 
on top of, oh, we're all also doing the members episode. And then on top of, there's a time crunch because the big Apple events are coming up. So it, it always, it always does like, I feel for you when, you know, you're going to summit relay and you're discussing the future of the company that it, that it also comes in the middle of this, this very yep. busy time for you. But whilst I agree with all of that, <laughs> it has helped me feel good about my yearly themes this year. Hmm. Because in my themes, I've been able to like not have to really kill myself on the focus, right? So I was talking about stabilization and diversification. They're my two mm-hmm. yearly themes, right? And one of the th- big parts of the year of stabilization was to not be overly concerned with growth in the company's financials, in like my mm-hmm. company's financials, mm-hmm. and like to just just feel like at this point, which I did, that I've kind of got that got like a got like a stable level and see what happens and i've mm-hmm. been happy with it right where i've seen that the company is still meeting what we would want in growth mm-hmm. and during august i can see that like we did good but if i would have put the focus in in different areas we could have done even better but i'm happy with that because we had other things to focus on mm-hmm. and so like we we have another big project that i'm going to talk about in a minute but it's made me feel like, okay, I did the right thing because my hypothesis was correct that even if we were able to look elsewhere, we would still grow and that's still happening. And it also allowed for me to feel like I could divert my attention to other areas. So I would say that as we are hurtling towards the end of 2019, that I've been really pleased with my theme so far this year because it's allowed me to spread my wings out in a few different areas and I'm feeling pretty good about where I am at this point based upon what I wanted to do this year. I'm, re- I'm really glad to hear that because particularly for the kind of thing that you're you're trying to do, the, the easy thing to do is to continually say like focus on growth, growth, growth. Like that's that's just what people expect when you have a business. But this is great when you don't have investors. Yeah. Yes, well, uh, yes, you... Relay is set up such so that structurally you don't have that kind of pressure, which gives you the option in the in the first place. But it's it's very easy to still just to get into that mental mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I I see that in people who don't have investors and just in their own personal lives, it's the same thing of like growth, growth, growth. Everything's got to be bigger and better than it was before. And it's it's a it's a much harder thing to to turn away from what seems like that's the sort of obvious path and and to be like i'm really glad to hear that months later you feel good about that decision Mm -hmm. that's like you because choosing what not to do can be the much harder thing sometimes than than choosing what to do and and i think company growth is is definitely one of those those areas that there's like it's a difficult path to turn away from sometimes because that's what people's expectations are. So I'm really happy to hear that, that that's gone that's gone well for you. Yeah, like in my life, what I care about is being comfortable and mm-hmm. happy, right? Like that and I want my work to facilitate that. Mm-hmm. I'm not happy if I'm really killing myself to keep going for like more and more and more and more. I'm not happy that way. Yeah. There's a reason we didn't call this podcast crush it more text <laughs> yeah more text 
Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. That's great, Mike. I can, I can see the artwork now. But yes, that is exactly it. And it's one of the reasons you and I have often enjoyed talking about work and work-related things. That endless focus, it, it works for some people, mm-hmm. but it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work for everyone. And it's, it's not always easy to know which kind of person you are. And that's a really important thing to figure out. I think I have been more of that person and then have become less of that person mm. as time's gone on. Mm. As I've kind of realized most of what's important to me and how to get what I want, right? Like mm-hmm. how to get the type of life that I want. I've realized that I don't need to be crushing it every day mm-hmm. to be that kind of guy. So that's why I was really happy to have stumbled upon this idea of stabilization for this year and then to have achieved it. And like right now, like there's, I've got a lot going on and I need to be able to put some focus into some other stuff and I want to be able to do that. So I was pleased that like my yearly theme has allowed me for that because I've spent the last nine months preparing myself to just cool it in a few areas or something that I have also been doing is handing some of this type of stuff off. I've been allowing other people to put the pressure on in the areas that they want to, where I don't need to at the moment. Mm. And that's been just a good, just a very good feeling. I'm, I'm glad that that works out so well. But I also do feel a little bit like you're, you're cheating here on the, the theme discussions, Mike, because you never, you never want to talk about the themes as it gets we can, no, closer no. and closer I'm to the I'm always happy year. to review the current year theme. I don't understand your rules, Mike. I don't want to talk about the next year theme, even though I already know what mine is. I got it. I got the name. And I'm building out some, uh, some parameters now for what it's going to be. Oh. But I started with the name, and it's a good name. Oh, good. Because it's one of those names that I don't need two themes to talk about everything I want to focus on. Uh, in- okay. Because it has a double meaning. Uh, so you, you, have just, you have one word. So far. One word means two things. Interesting. Okay, yeah. I still, I still have two, and I'm trying to... Cl- I'm trying to I'm trying to collapse it down into one, but it's not quite working for collapsing. That's when you've really, you really made it, right? When you, <laughs> you're like, I have 16 things I want to do. One word. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm envious of you right now with your, with your one word. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Teasing the people mm-hmm. with what the amazing Mike theme is going to be. I spoke about we had another project, and so I want to talk about something that's really important to us because mm-hmm. Relay FM is long raised money for and and has looked to St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital, which is a cancer research hospital for children, which is based in Memphis, Tennessee. We have long looked at them as, a, as an organization that we've wanted to support. And we are uh, very honored to be St. Jude's first podcast fundraising partner. Um, St. Jude do a lot of work with uh, Twitch streamers, and they have uh, something called St. Jude Play Live, which has been an incredible success for them, and they've been able to raise a ton of money for it. And we are really excited now to hopefully start them on a path of being able to raise a bunch of money through podcasting and other types of media as well. Childhood cancer remains the leading cause of death by disease for children under the age of 15. And children undergoing treatment for cancer and other life-threatening diseases often need transfusions and physical and cognitive therapy and just so much more. And these organizations that, that provide this care to children that need it, it's, you know, you've got to think about from the people serving the lunches to the pharmacists, mm. like just everyone in between. So we're trying to raise money through September, which is uh, Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, 
we're trying to raise money for St. Jude because they are one of the leaders in trying to help make this better for everybody. Like their research is shared with institutions all over the world. Um, and your gift can help St. Jude provide the best care and treatment for their patients. If you go to stjude.org slash cortex, you can go right now uh, and help save St. Jude kids. That is stjude.org slash cortex. And we're trying to do a bunch of stuff. And one thing that we're doing uh, is on September 20th, <laughs> I'm going back to Memphis. <laughs> Did you just come from Memphis? <laughs> just came oh, from God, Memphis just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, on September right. 20th, and going back from 4 to 10 p.m. Eastern on September 20th, I'm going to be co-hosting a six-hour podcast-a-thon live on Twitch, filmed and streamed from the St. Jude campus. Six six mm-hmm. hours. Yeah, we're trying to raise $75,000 for St. Jude this year. Um, I want to raise more than that, and so mm-hmm. I want the help of the Cortexans to help us do that. And uh, we're going to be doing a bunch of wild stuff. We're still putting together a bunch of pieces, but we're going to be calling in people and doing things. And it's lot, lots of meetings right now trying to work out exactly what we will fill six hours worth of content with. Um, but I'm sure there'll be a ton of humiliation for me. I have no doubt about that. Yes. That, yes. I think that's what you do with these types of things. That is inevitable. That's mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. That's what the people want. Like. Never done anything like this before. Six hour live stream on video. Oh, on, on video, are you going to be able to take bathroom breaks? Or it's yes. just like six hours the whole time? It's like, like legit. We're going to have like videos that we can play. Like, you know, if you ever watch a telethon, they like cut away for a minute and show you like a video as to what. Oh, what oh okay. So you're, you're going to have a button that you can press mm-hmm. when you're like, oh, commercial, cut great. to commercial. <laughs> I, we won't be pressing the buttons. We're going to have someone pressing the buttons for us. This is like a very oh, professional operation we're, we're, we're going into here. Like it's like an actual studio and everything. There's going to be a green screen. Like we're talking like, Big serious stuff. They don't mess around at St. Jude. That's awesome. How, how are you? How are you feeling about that? I'm I'm not nervous about it. I'm actually more excited about it. And we've the fundraising is going so well so far that mm-hmm. I figure it's just going to be a night of celebration. Mm-hmm. To be honest, like people have been so generous so far, and I feel like they're going to continue to be that generous in such a way that like. I'm just really excited to be able to celebrate what our listeners have have, want, have been able to do. Uh, so I'm really excited about it, and and I really hope that people will consider giving to this organization because it means a lot to me. So uh, yeah. yeah, Saint Jude is a charity close to Relay's heart, and it mm-hmm. is a good organization to give to. So if you want to help out, please do so, and tune in. On September 20th. What was the exact time? 4 to 10 Eastern PM. 4 to 10 PM Eastern. I'll put um, a link in the show notes to the Relay FM Twitch channel. Uh, that's where we're going to be streaming it. Uh, so you can uh, tune in then as well if you want to. Today's show is brought to you by Eero. Eero is a game changer because it means actually being able to access internet from anywhere in your house. Everyone's familiar with this idea, right? That there's that room or that part of your home with unreliable Wi-Fi. Nothing is more irritating than watching your favorite show and having to stop and see it buffer or trying to download a file and just seeing crippling speeds when you know if you just go to the other room in the house, it's going to be better. Era blankets your home, your entire home 
with fast, reliable Wi-Fi, so you constantly have strong signal wherever and whenever you need it. It takes minutes to set up. You just plug it straight into your modem or router box, the wonderful Eero device, and you can even manage it from a super simple app as well, which lets you do cool stuff like pause the Wi-Fi when you're eating dinner as a family and you get any alerts if devices try to join your network during this pause time. Eero have fixed all of your Wi-Fi problems. No more dead spots, no more buffering. One of the things that I love about the Eero is the little devices that they use to extend the range are called Eero B beacons and that's how it kind of you push the wi-fi connection out to wherever you need so you get that strong signal everywhere they have little night lights built in so they plug straight into the wall and then you can have them uh, at night just show a little light in the hallway so you can find your way to the bathroom how useful is that very cute i love it you can get your wi-fi fixed as soon as tomorrow go to eero.com slash cortex that's eero.com slash cortex and enter cortex at checkout to get free overnight shipping with your order that's eero.com slash cortex with the code cortex at checkout to get your eero delivered with free overnight shipping one last time eero.com slash cortex and the code cortex our thanks to eero for their support of this show and all of relay fm I have 20 notebooks sitting next to me right now. 20 notebooks? Well, journals, I should say. Is that how many we ordered? Yeah, that's, that's the, that was the order number. They all came to me instead. <laughs> I, think, I, think something got, I think something got lost in translation there, Mike. Nope, these were the production samples. The production samples have been approved. Oh, this, oh these, are, these are your 20 quality check yep. notebooks? My quality check has been completed. I don't want to speak too soon. Um, and again, breaking the time paradox. Mm-hmm. By the time this episode goes out, it is very likely that the second run is, is on sale. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's still some available. Who knows? We'll find out. But the reason I wanted to talk about the theme system journal a little bit today is because I've been dealing with a project which has been very daunting to me over the last few weeks, which is building out the themesystem.com, which is something I promised to people, right? Which is you wanted instructions. I have the information in my brain. I need to try and put it down in a way that I can try and explain it to you. Mm -hmm. So I've been working on that and have been building that, but it has been really, really difficult for me and has become, had become one of those type of projects where it was just getting put off and put off and put off. Mostly for me because it was a writing project. I know you're not a big fan of the writing, Mike. Yeah, it was, it was difficult. And also it was one of those things. It is one of those things where I like, I'm so close to this. And it's so mm-hmm. tied up with me at this point that I'm almost like a little bit nervous to put it out to the world because it's like, here's my brain. <laughs> Will you accept it? Uh, so, so it's up there. I'm I'm pretty happy with it, but I do consider it a uh a, like a living document, as mm-hmm. it were, at the moment. Like it's one of those things where it's like, okay, this is like the basic level of information that I think people need to take advantage of this project. But I'm also kind of waiting for some feedback as well on the instructions and seeing what people think about it and how it works for them and how it doesn't. But I wanted to kind of touch on this idea because I ended up writing it because I was concerned I had 48 hours left before (laughs) I had to have had it completed after having put it off for like three weeks. Yes. Yeah. Well, well also uh, in the time paradox that we're in a little bit, it is very possible that the journals are going up for sale literally as we are recording this episode yeah also systems are in place so it it may be happening at this at this very moment uh but we're not 100 percent sure 
when that is, which is which is part of the uncertainty of manufacturing, sh- shipping, and selling. Well, I guess physical products. If you hear me make any kind of whimpering noise, but over the next forty-five minutes, mm-hmm. then you'll know that it happened. Uh, but other than that, I maybe it will happen today or tomorrow. We'll find out. <laughs> whimpering noise is that because you're afraid that you're going to lose our our bet about what's going to happen that we made in the past but will actually be heard in the <sighs> now future you're doing is that it. why you now would you're whimper <laughs> my concern is not our bet no <laughs> don't worry listeners you'll hear about it later mm-hmm. but sorry mike i i look if anyone's going to have sympathy about a writing project that you're having difficulty with you are talking to the right man for mm-hmm. that one and and i and the, this is also part of the difficulty of writing projects is when you have lived with it for so long, it's in your head and it is totally impossible to be objective about it. And this is also not a situation where I could really help you either because it's like, well, I've also been thinking about this for a really long time and neither of us can be objective to even the most basic questions like, how clear are these instructions for someone who is unfamiliar with this whole project? Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's why when you said it's a living document, it, it has to be because the ability for either of us to have any idea if this is clear is, like it's not up to us. It's, mm-hmm. it's up to the reader and it's up to the sort of feedback that we get about what do people like or what do people not like? Yep. You know, I, I think it's good, but I, but I also know like. We can't, it's very difficult to be objective about these sort of things. So I have, I have a lot of sympathy for you, Mike. Thank you. But I wonder when, when you are faced with these types of things, like a project that you want, that you need to complete, but I'm struggling to, do you have any hot tips and tricks of how you like <laughs> get over that wall? Because for me, it is purely like, the deadline makes it worse <laughs> until it is unavoidable. Like the lo- stress of a looming deadline for some reason makes me like procrastinate or work procrastinate more until it's like, all right, you literally have no more choices anymore. You may, this may need to be going out to the world any moment now. So you must do it. Again, are, are you asking me for tips about hitting deadlines, Mike? Is that is that what you're, is that what you're oh, coming yeah, to I me? I realize what I've just asked now. <laughs> oh, let me tell you about deadlines. Mm. <laughs> no, I, like, I am totally the same way that you are. It's so important for a person to understand themselves. For many people, deadlines are the way they work, and they are positive things that get stuff done. But I'm just like you. Where a, there's nothing, there's nothing that makes me resent the whole universe more than a deadline, and I'm not a procrastinator kind of person, unless there is a deadline, and then su- suddenly I become the sort of person that I hate, who puts stuff off until the absolute last second, and mm-hmm. just like deadlines, just they they make me they make me feel withered inside, and so I I can't like I can't help you, and the problem the problem that you were facing is I think worse than a deadline because you had and still technically do have an uncertain deadline that at some point plus or minus a couple of weeks maybe a month in the future a thing has to be done and when it needs to be done it needs to be done immediately that is a deadline hiding in a cloud waiting to ambush you who knows when Mm. which I 
I don't know what to do about that, but it sounds terrible. Well, I mean, I I reacted to it, and I feel like I've just I've done it right, like it's done. But it's now mm-hmm. like the deadline may be forever at this point because it is a thing that will need to be continued to be updated. But right, yes, that's that's what living document means. Mm-hmm. This is never done. But also, I think living document is a phrase that you can use to let yourself be finished. That's how I felt. I was like, okay, yeah. I know that I'm going to have to change this. So mm. let me get what I think is the basic level into this and then await that feedback because I want the feedback. Like I want people to tell me what they need, what they need more explanation on, that kind of stuff, if they think it can be presented differently. But what I wanted to have was the basic level that I think somebody needs to be able to like get this. Yeah. Um, and if it still is a struggle to people, then I've got a couple of things I can learn from that. One, how can I explain it better? And two, then maybe I need to understand how this isn't for everybody and, and, mm-hmm. and to work at it from there. Finding a way to let yourself let go, mm-hmm. especially I think with an uncertain deadline is is a, a very helpful thing. I mean, my, my version of this is I have a little folder that I replicate every time I, I start a new script for a video and built into this little template is a, is a subfolder for the footnotes that will go along with the video. Now, Sometimes I do release a video that will have a footnote or two, like a little mini video that it, that's attached to it. That is not remotely representative of the number of theoretical footnotes that I create during the process of actually working on something. And I am very aware that that is, that is part of my letting go is, here's, here's an interesting thing. I'll talk about it in a footnote and let me put it in the footnote this little folder and maybe sometimes I'll, I'll run through a couple of drafts but i but like deep down i know this is where ideas go to die that this is this is where i can like temporarily put something that's interesting but just doesn't fit and tell myself oh i'll i'll, I'll just i'll do a little thing on that when the video comes out and 95 percent of the time it doesn't it doesn't go anywhere and that's that's my version of like the video has to get done. You can't talk about everything and just like just put it over there and pretend like you're going to include it, but you won't. Well, unless, unless the footnotes become the video. Yeah. And that does happen sometimes. <laughs> Not very often, but every once in a while Quite that recent. does happen. Quite recently. <laughs> yeah. Although like before we do move on, I, I, I will just mention something on, on this topic of like, of trying to get started since so many people have recommended books to me i'll i'll pass back a book recommendation Recom- recommendation is a, maybe maybe a bit firm of a word but th- there is a book called the war of art which is a a strange little book you're selling this one really really selling this one recommendation <laughs> is a strong of a word this is a strange little book <laughs> yeah but like so it's it's written by uh, an author, um, and it it is just a little book talking about this idea of it's hard to get started, and it's it's not even a book that you can just sit down and and read through. It's it's more like a little collection of paragraphs where the author is is like attacking this idea from various angles. So, so that's why I say it's it's a strange 
book because it doesn't exactly have a through line in the way that many books do. It's it's more just like, hey, are you having a hard time getting started with work? Here Here's a bunch of thoughts on this thing. And I've read this book a couple of times and o- always have the same sort of experience that there's a lot in the book that just doesn't resonate with me at all. But every once in a while, something really catches me. I'm like, oh, that's an interesting way to phrase that. Or that's that's a good way to think about this. And having talked with a lot of people in creative fields, this is a a book that everybody agrees, like, you should take a look at if you're doing any kind of creative work at all. Hmm. And it's not that you're going to love everything in it, but you don't have to. There may just be a couple of paragraphs that really work with you and and stick in your own brain. So that that's why I say like it's it's a strange recommendation because I don't expect a person to take all of it away. I just expect that you might you might find a couple of things that work in there for you. So that is a a book I've read that maybe you should too if you work on creative stuff and it's The War of Art by uh Stephen Pressfield if I remember correctly. So check that out, listeners. Okay. I don't know if there's an audiobook for you, Mike. Nah. I know you don't read. Nah. <laughs> Actually, I just realized that book would be totally intolerable in audio form. I think the lack of a thread line through it, I think, would drive a person crazy in audiobook format. So I'm, I'm going to say maybe don't listen to that one, Mike. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. They give you all of the tools that you need to let you easily create a website for your next idea or project. With Squarespace, you can register a unique domain name, customize beautiful award-winning templates, and so much more. They are the all-in-one platform that will let you put anything that you need online. There's nothing to install or patch or worry about. There are no upgrades needed, none of that fussy stuff. Squarespace have you covered, and they back everything up with award-winning 24-7 customer support. They have all of the functionality you're going to need to build any type of website that you're looking for, whether it's a site to sell physical products, a site for your business, a site for a community group, maybe you have a portfolio or a blog with your ideas or work that you want to share with the world. I just got finished building a Squarespace website. The themesystem.com is a Squarespace website. It was so easy to use. The templates were really simple for me to get exactly what I wanted and I could customize it exactly how I wanted. Everything's drag and drop, so I don't have to worry about getting deep. I was so concerned about getting the text correctly and making sure all of that was right, You know, making sure all the copy was good on the website. I was so pleased I also didn't have to worry about having to fuss with getting the site built because Squarespace made it so easy whilst it making it still look super great and super professional. You can try out Squarespace for yourself and sign up today for a trial with no credit card needed by going to squarespace.com slash Cortex. Their plans start at just $12 a month, but if you use the offer code Cortex at checkout, you will get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and show your support for this show. Once again, that is squarespace.com slash Cortex and the code Cortex for 10% of your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. Okay, so listeners, Mike was teasing me a little bit before mm-hmm. because before the episode started, I showed Mike something that I was working on. And, uh, you know, we're talking about new and difficult projects, and I've been away for a year working on difficult projects and this one is now very very soon to be released 
it should it should be out shortly after this episode is out. And I showed Mike the current not completely finalized state of a of a video that I'm working on. It was not but- final. It was very <laughs> far from finalized. There was I I was watched. It's like an 11 minute video or something. About six minutes of the video is just a screen that says needs animation. <laughs> it's always fascinating to me to see these work in progress. Like I get, I've seen various levels of work in progress for your stuff, and this yeah. is probably the most in progress that the work I have seen has been. But by far, the, the, uh, like I thought you might find it somewhat interesting. Hopefully, on a meta level of seeing, yeah, I really did. What does it look like? As a as a thing is coming together, mm-hmm. uh, but but Mike saw what what I would describe as the first barely watchable work in progress mm-hmm. for the video, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, about half of it has no visualizations at all. It just has words on the screen about what I need to do to get something on the screen there. <laughs> and you know, and the funny <laughs> thing is, like the audio is like about ninety percent of it is leveled, but is like leveled horrifically, which is also kind of hilarious. I hope you know that. I'm sure you do. Oh yeah, yeah. No, okay, there's cool. n- none of the none of the audio fine tuning has happened. There's there's nothing. It's all it's all terrible. Um, but this, even though I know showing it to someone else, this is like, oh, this is in a total garbage state. This is the first time I can look at it, and even even though it is in this horrific state, feel like, oh, I have a very um my confidence is very high about this getting finished and released soon just because I've been through this process long enough and kind of know how these things work. But all of this is, is to, is to lead up to this video started life as a footnote to my video about who owns the statue of Liberty, which came out almost exactly a year ago Mm -hmm. now. And uh, yeah, so this is a video about like a little, a little historical, uh, thing that I came across that I originally thought would be a little footnote, and it sort of expanded a bit. And I thought, oh, okay, I'll I'll do it. Uh, I'll do it after that federal land video, and then here we are a year later, and it's it's finally uh, it's it's finally going to actually be made. But I am here, here's the thing: I'm very close to this project, and it's I feel like it's very different for a few reasons. So. We haven't actually spoken about it, and I'm a little bit curious to get some feedback. From oh, you. okay. What do, what, do, what do you think about what you saw, even though it's in a bit of a very rough state? It's crazy. Okay. In all the right ways. Okay. Like, you have made a, I think, more than, what I took from it is it's more than the video itself. What I feel like I saw in that video is your process. Like you are highlighting your process quite a lot of how you make a video. Like what your, the research that you do, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's like you could have chosen to do all of the research and just, well, there's nothing here. I can't, I can't make a video about this because there's no proof for anything. But instead you made a video about that process, which I found very interesting. And entertaining too, because you sound like a wild person uh, running around the globe. Uh, so it's very—it's a very entertaining video, and has an interesting story at the end, and a very—I thought like a fascinating meta commentary on history. Okay, phew! Like I was holding my breath there because that—that's a big relief. Is mm-hmm. uh, that's that's 
sort of what I'm going for. So, yeah. uh, the, you know, there's there's a link in the show notes, but a, like a quick recap for because I didn't want to describe it until I just like let Mike talk. The full story is that there is this urban legend about why Staten Island is part of New York, and it and it has to do with this race around the island that just never occurred, but like it was supposed to have happened at some point in the 1600s. And when I was originally researching the Statue of Liberty video, which is actually a bit a video about the territorial disputes between New York and New Jersey, a, a bunch of sources referenced this race and, and said like, oh, this is a thing that happened and it's, it's why Staten Island is part of New York. And I, I had come across a few like slightly different versions of it. And there were a couple of things that felt like to me, they were described in a vague way. And I did have a little bit of a, of a sense for like, I've done this so much that, that I think I don't have a bad radar for what things should you like really try to investigate further. And I pushed a little bit on what are, what are the primary sources for this story about this race? And over the course of the year, like the whole thing just totally fell apart um, that this story just doesn't exist. It, like there's no documentation for it happening at the time. There's no reason to think that it ever occurred. Uh, and I thought the race was interesting as a, just as like a little urban legend in and of itself. But this kind of thing does happen to me all the time. And like a real frustration that I can have sometimes is it's, it's really hard to track down something to the point where you feel like, oh, I'm confident enough putting that in a video. So most of the time you just end up in a situation where it's like, oh, this thing isn't real or I feel a little bit uncertain about it. And so all that happens is a paragraph of text gets deleted and, you know, nothing ever happens. You know, no one ever, no one ever knows about it. But uh, the, the way... The way this one unraveled, I, I thought, ended up being an interesting, an interesting example of just trying to trace footnotes backwards through history. And there happened to be enough good and different examples going backwards through time of, of different sources talking about this story that I, that I thought like, oh, this actually does make an interesting meta video that, that this can become a little story about how the stories are made. And that's, that's sort of what I was hoping would, would be the reaction that you would have to seeing it. And it's kind of what I hope the viewers get out of it is you can enjoy this video on the primary level of, of what it is actually talking about this historical event that didn't occur. But I, I do hope that a person can enjoy it, enjoy it on this secondary level. Like if, you're, it, you know, the, for Cortex listeners, people who are interested in how does this stuff get made, I think there's a meta level on which that video can be enjoyed. And, and you did, you did pick up on, you know, for me, what is a, what is a tertiary level, which is a, like an uncomfortable commentary on history and, and knowing the certainty of things like i don't really go into that very much it's not in the video really but it's it's as i think it's 
a thought that is a natural implication of of watching that video. Because there's a weird thing where a building is maintained and turned into a museum to honor a person who apparently did a thing that nobody can prove was ever done. Because there's no way you're the first person who's tried to work this out. No, I am not the first person who who tried to work this out. And I, I got sort of unlucky with the original sources that I had uh, come across this story in. Because, yeah, other people have tried to track this down of like this this thing isn't real but in the first month or two i ended up not coming across any of those and totally felt like conspiracy man and as the year went on like just just some weird things happened where it's it's a bit like i don't want to be crazy but why are the why is it that the documents that happen to be the documents i'm exactly looking for are the only documents that you're missing (laughs) right it's like you know, I don't really think there's any conspiracy, but I did get like so deep about like what what's Staten Island doing to protect their hometown hero, right? <laughs> like it's it's it was very very strange and 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 my conclusion is like so the 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 Captain Billup, the person who supposedly ran this race in the 1600s, uh, his house exists as a museum today, but it's there because of something his great-grandson did and his great-grandson was involved in the in the revolutionary war and then the stories of of what the great-grandfather did don't show up for like another hundred years and so that like i think this is just an example of there's like enough thing in reality like oh this house is important but like why it was a hundred years ago and who like and it just gives a little bit of a of a place for a story to start crystallizing over time that isn't really true and that people don't bother to uh check up on so like i just i just think it's very interesting in a in a in a bunch of different ways but i got to say this has been it is not a project that has been continuously worked on for a year uh but it has taken a year because there were a lot of uh there are a lot of times where it's like harassing a historical archive to send some papers and it takes a couple months before they come along and like the whole the whole thing just has to wait uh until i get a document you know from new jersey sent to me in london that kind of thing uh so i feel like i've been living with this story for a year and it's also been uh, a project that's sort of different and hard to think about how to do and and as we as we record i'm still not entirely sure what the final thing will look like because it's the first time I've ever tried to blend animated style with doing something in real life. Yeah, I wondered if you wanted to talk about this part. Yeah, well, it's a little bit hard to talk about right now because I just don't know what the final thing will look like. Uh, Right now, I know that the beginning is very heavily animated and the end is almost entirely live action. But I, I still haven't decided for the middle part of it how much of a blend there is there's going to be. I just don't know. And it's a difficult sort of project to do. And and uh, like like you were talking about before, you know, it's, it's like you're very close to it and you lose you lose objectivity about what is this like? What is, what is this like for viewers who are expecting my animated videos when it transitions into live action? How is that going to be received or like how can i make it seem smooth i don't i don't know and that stuff is still up in the air right now for me what made you want to do the transition into 
some live action parts for this video. Because I think it makes sense for the story. I traveled to New Jersey <laughs> to try and track down the historians who work at the museum that I was trying to get in touch with uh, remotely, unsuccessfully, uh, repeatedly. And, uh, you know, I traveled to New York to try and track down some of the missing paperwork for this urban legend. Like, I really went there. And that just feels like it makes sense to show it in real life. Mm -hmm. Like, this is this is me going to the place. I don't think it would it would work in the same way if it was animation or I think, it, I think it would maybe come off more as, as a story. You could animate that, but you did actually do it and you know how to work a camera. So maybe <laughs> yeah. you should, do, you know, like you could animate everything. You could animate the library. You could animate the door being closed, but you were actually mm. in those places. So Maybe people would want to see them. Do you think that's the right decision to have it live action at the end? Does that work for you as a viewer? I think it works for the video that you made. Okay. Because if you said to me, I went to these places and I saw this thing and you weren't showing me the actual thing, I think I would be frustrated by it because it's like, well, why are you telling me? Why are you telling me about the graveyard that you visited in a thunderstorm? Oh, so wet. I want to see that instead. It made sense to show what you were talking about. Um, I will be intrigued to see if and how live action Gray finds his way into other videos, if that's a thing that you want to do. But I think when the story needs it, like a vlog, you should show it. And this one definitely benefited from being part animated Gray, part vlogging Gray. And I think blending those two together into a video is one, interesting, and two, kind of surprising as a viewer. Pressing play on that video, I would never expect that you were going to do what you did. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's kind of... That's exciting. I think that's fun. That's sort of the thing that I'm going for. Because it also snuck up on me as I was working on this project. Slowly, slowly the idea keeps creeping into my head of, am I going to go to New Jersey? Eh. No! That's ridiculous. <laughs> right? Who, go who goes to New Jersey? for a thing that didn't happen 400 years ago, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like, I'm like, I'm not going. I'm not going there. No, but it like, it it really did keep growing on me. And so, you know, I, I found myself surprised that I was compelled to go. And the, the whole thing was ridiculous. And And I told some people and they're like, Wait, you're going to Staten Island? Why? <laughs> and it's like, well, there's this museum, and they never answered my phone calls or answered my emails, and I want to go ask them some questions, <laughs> like about what? Oh, something that didn't happen at their museum. <laughs> Quite reasonably, people people uh, thought that was not a good idea, or they thought that was ridiculous. I really felt compelled. Like I have to do this. I have I have to see this all the way to the end. Uh, and so there, there is a way in which it was surprising for me. And uh, like, I, I do kind of hope to convey that in the video, that it's like, this is not a thing that you would expect me to do. It's not a thing that I would expect me to do. That's interesting to me because I'm not surprised you did this. Why? I'm surprised I did this. It seems very out of character, Mike. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, it is very out of character. I just like it seems. I don't know. Like I feel like this seems like something that is for your curiosity. Yeah, I, I guess the thing that that I can get ninety nine point nine percent of the way there without having to leave my comfy home, mm-hmm. and it's just it's it's this last one percent that I didn't even really hope would go anywhere, but it's like, but I've got it. I've got to see this thing through. <laughs> Right. I've like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to stand at the grave of a man who wasted my time centuries later. Like I'm going to do it. And it's ridiculous because, because like, I think the other, the other thing that you have to keep in mind is, is it's like, it's not clear for a very long time that this is actually going to be a video from my, mm-hmm. from my side as the, as the production person. What it, what it really was is like spending a lot of time trying to track down this thing that became an increasingly interesting, I don't know, like mystery as as it went along. That's why I said before, like I have this thing of this this trick of putting interesting things in the footnote that don't really be- belong as videos of themselves. And this is where they just go to silently die. And I just kind of thought like, oh, I'm spending a lot of time on this one. This is much more time than I would ever spend on something like this. And so it is also surprising to me that it ended up becoming a becoming a whole video. But I am pretty pleased with the state that it's currently in, even though I don't know what the final mix of animation and live action is is going to be. But um, I've had I've had an interesting year. And uh, this is this is one of these things that I'm like, I'm really glad to finally be able to get out of my head and out into the internet. I kind of think of this as a video for like the hardcore gray fans. This is not a, like a, this is not a viral video, generally applicable kind of thing. Um, but it's a, it's a project that's been really interesting to me to be a part of. Again, this is like a time paradox. Um, the Tesla video did really well. And I would say that that was more for the hardcore fan than this is. Because that was like, here's a super long vlog about driving a Tesla, which is not a new thing, right? Like, this is not a new car, right? Like, yeah. this is like, it wasn't like you had access to a special Tesla. And it's like, yeah. it's an hour long. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that footage was at that point three summers old. Whereas all of this stuff, I mean, some of this stuff I only filmed but a, but a month ago. Look <laughs> it's, at it's you. It's basically shiny new. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, maybe, you know, and and if there's one thing I've learned over the years of making things for the internet is you, you can't have any expectations about whether mm-hmm. things do well or whether things do poorly. That there's just like, there's no point in, in trying to play that game or even guessing. You can have feelings like you, like I do, but I just don't, I don't put any, I don't put any stock in those. But I do want to get on the record that I was really soaked in that graveyard at the end. <laughs> like It looked terrible, but as I watched it, I was like, how, how perfect. You were blessed with that thunderstorm i that it was a flash storm that came in it like i have not seen any thunderstorms come in and i had uh no weather gear for that at all and uh a thing that i i have not told you is that storm broke my iphone that uh oh I was using my iPhone to do all of that footage 
because I was like, okay, I'm all, I'm all set here. I've got a, I got a waterproof phone. <laughs> like, thank God I can film something because my other equipment was, was uh, not ready for the rain. And I got all of that footage and I got it off of the, I got it off of the phone, but uh, <laughs> water got in somewhere and I had to abandon my, uh, my iPhone and, and uh, roll, roll back to my old iPhone X. And that's, that's what I'm currently using. But I have some I have some footage. It does it didn't make it into the video, but I have some footage where you can see the water start to roll over the interior of the camera lens. <laughs> I need to see that. <laughs> I need you to send me that. I need yeah. to see what that looks like because that sounds fascinating. It, it's not. It, it just goes blurry. That's all it looks like. It, it's not anything. Oh, okay. But, but when I got back to the hotel room uh, and was drying off the equipment, I was looking at the camera lens and like. And there's water in there. <laughs> well, I guess that IP67 or whatever it is, you, we now know the limits of it. Yeah. And then, uh, so I got all the footage off quickly. Uh, and I was like, oh, wait a minute. Uh, 3D Touch isn't working on this device anymore. And then, like, all input started to not work. And I'm like, okay, bye, phone. It was nice knowing you. <laughs> Do you have Apple Care or are you not an Apple Care person? I am not an Apple Care person. Right. Because we, as we all know, Insurance is gambling. Is that something we all know? Yeah, that's okay. what insurance is. It's gambling. Ah, Every, ah, okay. Everyone knows that. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, of course, of course. Apple Care, you're gambling with your phone. Mm -hmm. Life insurance, gambling with your life. I don't think it is as clear cut as how you just presented it, but we can. No, that's it's just catchy sounding. Yeah, I don't have Apple Care. I do have life insurance. There you go. <laughs> I gamble on my life, not my phone. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. And I have, over the years, come out way ahead on not not getting apple care this is this is like the one time that i rolled the dice and it didn't it didn't work out in my favor r.i.p phone you you died gloriously in a flash thunderstorm in a in a graveyard on staten island <laughs> you know thank you for your service if you're gonna go that's quite a way to go yeah i i, I feel very lucky i didn't get insomnia on the 45-minute drive back to my hotel in a completely soaked Wait. through hoodie with no other clothes. Did you mean pneumonia? Oh, did, what did I say? Insomnia. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad I didn't get insomnia or pneumonia. <laughs> I'm very glad I didn't get that. How'd you become an insomniac? Well, I went to a graveyard. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and now Disaway's ghost is following me and I can't sleep. <laughs> Oh, dear. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by MailRoute. Email and network vulnerabilities are costly and affect your business productivity. MailRoute is the leader in email security services, protecting your business from expensive spam, viruses, malware, ransomware, and downtime. Whether it's running from a server in your garage to clusters in high-tech data centers, whether it's on Office 365 or G Suite, MailRoute have got you covered. And MailRoute believe in cloud services. They created one of the first in 1997 and have been innovating the industry ever since. Given their authority in email security and cloud services, MailRoute now provide API-level integration with Microsoft and Google for seamless migration and ongoing account management of Office 365, G Suite, and Google Apps. MailRoute's easy setup and admin tools just work. There are no need for upgrades, maintenance, or costly changes to your email environment. You can auto-sync your user lists, distribution lists, and import all preferences like white and black lists for maximum protection 
against spam and viruses. You should use the business platforms that work best for you, but also put MailRoute in front of those platforms to guarantee secure and efficient delivery of reliable email services. No matter how much security training your team has, they can't beat the experts. Go try MailRoute today. Go to MailRoute.net slash Cortex. That's M-A-I-L-R-O-U-T-E dot net slash Cortex. Or if you send an email to sales at MailRoute.net and mention this show, you will get 10% off the lifetime of your account. So go to MailRoute.net slash Cortex to get that 10% off the lifetime of your account or just let them know that we sent you. Our thanks to MailRoute for their support of this show and Relay FM. Um, on our next episode, we're doing a Cortex Movie Club, and mm-hmm. we are watching Jiro Dreams of Sushi. This is a documentary about a man who is in his 80s at the time of filming who makes the best sushi in the world. So you can go watch that. I think it's on Netflix in America, um, I believe, um, and I know you can buy it on iTunes. Uh, so you can go watch that. We're going to be talking about that on the next episode. We'll also have all of the answers to the time paradox problem that we've been describing throughout this entire episode. So if you're wondering what on earth we've been referring to, episode 91 will have all of these answers and more for you. Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Go watch it. I really think you should. Yeah. Homework. For Homework. Cortex. Let's round out today's quite peculiar, I think, episode of Cortex with some hashtag Ask Cortex questions. We will go to the Cortexans. The first one comes from Emil. Emil asks, what thing goes in which pocket and does it change during summer and winter? Do you want to go through your pockets, Mike? Well, I can tell you there are, there are only ever four things in my pockets. Phone, wallet, AirPods, keys. They are the four things that go in my pockets. Those are the four things. Yep, that is true. Wait, but I've seen you covered in pockets. Do you only ever have those four things when you when you're CG pockets? Don't you start with this, Mike? <laughs> <Don't> you... <laughs> I have seen you with a hat that has pockets in it and shirts that have pockets on it and trousers with pockets, like but like lots of pockets. And then there was that whole quality bag thing about your requirement for more pockets. So you only carry those four things. <laughs> What do you need a bag for? I, f- I forgot when I showed you the, the pocket in my hat that I was keeping some paperwork in. I forgot about that. You were like, so it's like, I only have this four things real. unless I'm covered in pockets and then I'll just put anything in there. <laughs> Bit of paperwork? Sure. <laughs> look, look, look. Why don't you tell me about your pockets, Mike? All right. Right pocket is phone. Mm-hmm. It's the only thing that goes in my right pocket. I am left-handed. Right. But I do. Uh, my dominant hand is my right hand. That's an interesting thing about me. That's not what left-handed means. I write with my left hand. That is what it means. When people say they're left or right-handed, they mean by the way that they write. But my dominant hand, so everything else, I only write with my left hand. Everything else I do with my right hand. I use scissors with my right hand. My right arm is my stronger arm. Like, if I was going to throw a punch, I would throw it right-handed. No, you're just right-handed. I'm left-handed. Nobody. No. Okay. All right. So here's the thing, right? We're having a conversation and I say I'm right-handed and then you go, oh, okay. And then you see me pick up a pen with my left hand and write something. You go, you're yeah. left-handed. But if I say I'm left-handed and I use scissors with my right hand, you don't go, hang on a second, you're right-handed. That's not how it goes. No, you're right-handed. No, I'm not. You just, you have one thing you do with your left hand. No, I am left-handed, but I do everything else with my right hand. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Mike. That's, you were incorrect. No. I'm going to buzz you out on Family Feud. That's that's, that's the Family Feud question. Which handed is Mike? What does everybody else say? There will be a link in the show notes to a Google form 
it has one question. Is Mike left-handed? Is Mike right-handed? <laughs> Go to this survey and answer this yeah. question. I will not let this one lie. You'll find out the answer in about a month. <laughs> so <laughs> bear that in mind. It's not coming up next time. Yeah, there's there's plenty of time to send in your postal vote on this one. Yes, because this is, I won't accept this. Stop trying to take away my identity. I'm a left-handed individual. But no, I don't, I, like, I totally understand. That's, that's exactly what happens here. You you want to be part of the embattled lefties, right? No, but you're actually just a right-handed person. I don't want to be a part of the embattled lefties. <laughs> like, I have spent my life just, like, doing things like a right-handed person, except for writing my left hand. Anyway, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. phone goes in my right pocket. Uh, my wallet goes in my back pocket. Yes, I know. I don't want to hear it. I have a very thin wallet. It has five credit cards in it. That's it. Yeah. It's a Bellroy wallet. I'll put a link in the show. I was notes. gonna say, People yeah, we have we know. have that same uh, little, the little slim one. It's yeah, a great little it's wallet. beautiful wallet. I love it. I've owned one for years, and I'm very happy with it. It's exactly what I need because it also puts the restriction on me to not have too much in my wallet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my left pocket goes my keys and my AirPods. Okay, AirPods in front pocket. Right. Yeah, front front left, front left keys and AirPods. Okay. Interesting. Right back is wallet, right front is phone. Okay. So then you have an empty back pocket. Yes. Okay. I am right-handed. I do everything with my right hand. <laughs> this is not part of the question. <laughs> my left hand is is here for typing. Ornamental reasons only. <laughs> yeah. For holding sparkling water bottles while my right hand twists off the cap. It's the support arm. Mm-hmm. That's that's how handedness works. Mm. Now, what Mike is trying to give me a real hassle about is, the thing is, Mike and I, we live in the same city. We often see each other when we're traveling on the other side of the globe. Mm-hmm. And Mike is then seeing Travel Gray. And Travel Gray has many more needs than at home gray. So th- this is this is why my frustration, my desire for a quartility bag, my need for a cowboy hat with a pocket in the top, uh, <laughs> you know, all of these things. To put my nacho cheese in. So yeah, because you've got, in. yeah. <laughs> you've got way more things you need when you're away from home and you're traveling. And I don't always want to carry around a big backpack, but there's just a bunch of little things that you'd like to have with you when you're when you're out and about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you want to have like a couple aspirin. You want to have your earplugs because everywhere is too loud or people are trying to talk to you. You want to have a little hand sanitizer can with I, you oh if my. the people touch you. Can I define, get a definition from you for what out and about is? I'm just trying traveling, right? We're we're on we're in California because it's apple season. Okay, that kind of thing. Yeah, but like I will see you with all your pockets on like Wednesday of WWDC, right? Right. Yeah, that's traveling. Okay, but if I see you in the street Look, in London, you won't be adorned in pockets, right? I won't be adorned in pockets. So I'm trying to understand what the difference is. Because the difference is, it's it's an uncertain environment. You don't know where. You're, like, look. A thing that has totally happened. People laugh at me, right? But you you have to be prepared with like a with like a beef jerky meal at any time when you're out on the road because you never that. you never know when you're going to eat. And, I agree with that. When you yeah. were like in a car, moving across the plains, right? But when you're in downtown of a city, no, it's traveling. It's still it's still traveling. 
because you you don't know what's going to happen. You're going to get sucked into a meeting with people that goes on for way too long, right? Or you're you're going to suddenly be spirited away to a company headquarters. There's always food at those places. No, but you can't count on it, and you don't know what it's going to be, and you don't know when it's going to be. You need to always have water available because there's never enough water around. So uh, this this is this is traveling. Oh, Gray, I went what? to the best company cafeteria that I've ever been to. Who who has the best company cafeteria? Industrial Light and Magic. Oh, interesting. Yeah. When did you go there? Uh, when I was in San Francisco. Oh, sneaky, sneaky Mike. I got a tour from a friend of the show, Todd. What did you think of Industrial Light and Magic? It's amazing. They have all the props just like mm-hmm. hanging around. They're just like hanging around. It's incredible. Like every hallway, every entranceway is just surrounded by stuff it's amazing for the people who are unfamiliar what are the kinds of movie props that industrial light and magic has what are the projects they've been involved in uh star wars right there we go is the big one ghostbusters um i got to take a picture and stand in front of the um is it igor portrait from uh ghostbusters 2 Mm -hmm. or is Mm -hmm. it vigo vigo the vigo portrait from ghostbusters 2 Mm-hmm. I got to stand right in front of that, take a picture of it. I have a picture of me in front of multiple Darth Vader costumes. It was amazing in there. And they had just an amazing cafeteria. And I had a, a cheeseburger in there, which was unbelievable. Everywhere people go, I think the food, the food is the thing they remember the most. You need impressive cafeteria if you're a cool company. Yeah, well, they all try. And mm-hmm. uh, this was the best one. They did, everybody was paying though. I didn't understand what the what the situation was there, I didn't ask. I do actually think that is a healthier arrangement, like mentally, but I understand why some com- why most companies give the food away for free. I don't know if this is correct, but I have a very dim memory of San Francisco instituting some kind of city ordinance that changed the state of those cafeterias so that the companies were oh, really? charging instead of giving it away okay. for free. There's some, there was some kind of like oh, we have to count it as employee salaries thing otherwise. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I, I, I wonder if that's if that's what it is. Why do you think it's healthier, though? I, I, I wouldn't want that. If I was an employee, uh, you can feed me. Whilst as an employee, I would love to get free food. Mm-hmm. I think that sometimes large tech companies use the food as like a, like a stepping stone into the trapping in mentality that we right. saw at like Facebook. Fortress Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> the literal walled city. <laughs> it is like the gateway because if the cafeteria is always open, then you can stay late and just have dinner. And that is, I think, something that a lot of people fall into. Yeah, I, I, I can see what you're saying there. I think I would still want it to be free. I can see that maybe works as a psychological nudge. If it's like it's open for lunchtime only mm. and the food is free, then that's cool. But a lot mm. of these places is like, well, there's just always some food. Right. And that is a little bit more uncomfortable to me. Right. Or, or, or as we saw, we have free food and we'll also do your laundry. You can get a haircut. Yes. And we have a doctor. But, oh, uh, don't sleep under your desk. But we do have everything you would need if you were going to. And that's what, that's, that's kind of, I think it's like a, like a gateway, right? Like the free right. food is like a gateway to that. And mm-hmm. uh, that, that's kind of the thing that, I don't know. It makes me hmm. feel like, hmm, I question it, but hmm. I've never worked but in delicious. a place that have free food. 
but the food was incredible. But you didn't get it for free. You had to pay for it. So. Hmm. All the schools had free food. It wasn't especially delicious. I never had free food. What, as a student, you had to pay for your food? Yeah, I used to have a packed lunch. Oh. Or you had to pay a small amount of money like the parent had to pay. It was free for me as the kid because I didn't have any money, but... <laughs> oh, I guess I guess that's sort of what I was thinking. Like, wait a minute, did you like work? Right? <laughs> you were like, <laughs> and no. I was I was going to say something about like the difference between private and public schools, but then like, okay, wait. Th- thankfully, we got here fast enough, so I didn't say something really dumb. Yeah, about like, Someone's wow, I'm really food. glad I didn't work in the public sector. <laughs> Somebody's paying for the food. Right. Right. Okay. John wants to know, what were your first computers that got you started on your roads to professional geekdom? And I, I like the way this question is asked because my first computer, I don't even remember it, but it was like a gateway or whatever. But like, I, I don't have any fondness for that and it wasn't what started me on this journey. Like My first computer that really set me on the path that I am now was a 2005 Intel iMac which was the first Intel iMac. So you're you're using this as this is the career or this is the computer that started you down the career path? Well, it, this was just what set the, the question is like a professional geekdom, right? Oh, it may have been 2006, not 2005. Let me correct okay. myself now. 2006 Intel iMac. Okay. I have a clarifying question then. Mm-hmm. So were you were you like I guess I've never really thought of this, but I guess you're not really a computer person in in this way of you were probably not a a kid writing programs like when you were 12 no that's not that's not you you need to remember gray like i mean there's not a big age difference but like my so i think for your childhood it was Mm -hmm. you wrote programs for my childhood it's like hey the internet yeah no no like yeah we're we're just on the other side of that yeah barrier and and i've often feel really lucky to be born at what i feel like was just the right time for like maximum appreciation of technology both because we've had this tremendous acceleration in technology over the past several decades and 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 also i feel glad to have predated the modern internet just enough and I have often wondered that, like, if per capita there are fewer programmy people who are on the other side of that internet divide, like when you have real graphical user interfaces as your as your starting point. I mean, I used computers that had uh, green text on a black background, mm-hmm. but like they were when I was very young, and it was like mm-hmm. here's a couple of games you'd maybe play at the computer at your uncle's house which is what my situation was yeah and and you're you're just a little too young to be doing the the like what's underneath this part of it you're still using it as an interface even though it is text yeah exactly and then when Mm -hmm. i kind of got to the age where you were when you started paying attention to the stuff in that way i it was for me look at these games on the bbc's website Mm -hmm. you know like and then i moved on from there like discovering mm-hmm. the internet. So would you like, again, to clarify, would you say that that first Mac then is what started your interest in technology in and of itself? Like, no. Was, it, was no. it much more tool-like for you? Or, I was or? interested in it before, 
but that was the computer that really set me on the path that I'm on now. What were you using before? A PC of some description. Like, I don't mm-hmm. even know. It was just like, just a PC. I got a PC world and it was the family computer. Like that iMac mm-hmm. was also my, it was the first computer that was mine. That, that was my computer. I, I just, I, I saw this question as the follow-up and I would not have guessed something so late in time. But I think that's, like, that's just, that is interesting and it is a side effect of which side of the divide of the internet were you on. That same computer for you I think was was for me of when I decided to make the switch from uh, Linux and Windows to go to Mac instead, and and that was also when I I issued my family an ultimatum that if you want tech support, you're going to have to follow me down this trail because I'm not mm-hmm. keeping track of three different <laughs> three different systems. Was anyone else in the family using Linux Gray? Really? <laughs> I think you might have just been keeping track of that one for yourself. I'm afraid. That's that's true. Yeah, yeah. you know what? You're right. Um, yeah, but if it was it was very like, FYI, I'm doing a thing, and you, you can come or you cannot. That's your choice. But there's going to be repercussions if you don't. In terms of you got to find your tech support somewhere else. So it's just it's just funny that that's the computer that started you down the down the course. Hmm. Well, I think then isn't that kind of the same for both of us? But there were other computers in our lives before where, like, I was interested in technology, right? Like that's why I knew that the iMac was coming. Like, mm. I you know I had iPods and stuff like that before, but I was using the family's computer because I didn't have the funds to buy my own. Mm-hmm. But I had a job then when I was 18, right? Like I had a part-time job while I was still in school. So I was watching all of these keynotes and I knew that like my birthday was coming up and I was going to buy an iMac. And then they announced the Intel one. It was like, amazing, I'm going to get that one. Yeah. And then that mm-hmm. was what really then from there, it was like, okay. Because that was the first computer where I was like, this has so many amazing tools on it. Why don't I try and do something creatively? Mm-hmm. You know, like the very first podcast I ever recorded was on that machine. It was uh, abandoned, I think, halfway through the recording, but I tried. <laughs> yeah, but that's the start. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then I tried like a, a bunch of other things, you know, like I built like iLife websites and all that kind of nonsense all on that web, all on there. Right. Like say iWeb, that was it, iWeb. It used to be like iWeb stuff and all of those oh, things yeah. like, okay, on that yeah. computer because it opened up all of these avenues to me and gave me the autonomy to be able to do whatever I wanted because it was mine and I could do whatever I wanted with it. And I was the only person in my family that had a Mac and knew how to use a Mac. It's like, it was my computer. Um, And that, and so then from there, that was the one that pushed me. I mean, if you want to think about like what, what was the device that sent me Mm -hmm. on this path? It was the iPod mini. Hmm. Because the iPod Mini got me interested in Apple, and then it kind of went on from there. Yeah, those iPods were totally gateway drugs for that everybody. Was, yeah, yeah that, was, that was that was my gateway drug too. Mm-hmm. Mm, this iPod is delicious. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that, I had a pink. Where one. where can I get more of this? <laughs> I loved my pink iPod Mini. It was amazing. A many hours of uh, solitaire playing on the first iPod. I was like, wow, this is amazing. Uh, I, I did the uh, breakout type game <laughs> more than than the solitaire. I forgot about Breakout. I totally forgot about that one. Okay, I've I've been looking for an image to show you okay. of what I would regard as the computer that got me started professionally in computers. And this, I'm not sure if this is the exact model, but it is close enough. 
Uh, so I've sent you a link so you can see this image. Oh, wow. Look at you. So there were many computers in my youth, but this is the one that sticks out the most clearly for obvious reasons. This is a compact portable. Portable in a thousand quotations. Oh, it has a handle on it. A big, thick leather handle. Look at that. <laughs> yes. So uh, the, it, it, actually, when we went to the Computer History Museum, which is in, uh, in my vlog, very briefly, uh-huh. there's a shot of me picking up one of these things. If you remember, there was a computer that they had in like a case where you could pick it up to feel yep. what it weighed like as one of the first portable computers. That one was an old Osborne computer, but the compact was basically the same thing a few years later. And if if you imagine the tower of a of a big computer, and that if there was a spot where you could pull off a panel and that panel was a keyboard, and there was a tiny screen on one of the sides behind that keyboard, that's what the well, that's what the compacts look like. They were very heavy, they were portable. In, in only the most technically correct kind of sense that, yes, they could be moved from one location to another as a single piece. My parents had a, had computers around the house, but this computer was given to me to use as my computer many, many years after it was manufactured. I'm guessing because my parents were basically like, we have no need use for this computer. It's just a piece of junk sitting around the house. Let's give it to our child. And if he totally breaks it, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And so this is the computer that I, I remember feeling like I had real free reign on this thing. And this is where I, I remember playing around with the prompt and discovering programming and really having this idea that the computer is a machine that you can get to do things for you. And of course, in this very limited self-contained world of programming, I was totally entranced by this idea of if I can figure it out, I can get this machine to do stuff for me. That idea was just completely hooked into my brain and was the start of everything. And for a very long time, I thought I was going to be a computer programmer. And I I can very easily imagine if things had gone ever so slightly differently in my life, that's the path that I would have taken. This portable computer that weighed 40 pounds was for me the real start of the thing. And I, and I genuinely think that it's horrific limitations for being a very old computer at the time that, that wasn't connected to the internet, uh, for a kid in a just pre internet age were all advantages, uh, that I, like I had nothing but time to sit down and try to figure out this thing. And it wasn't really designed as a, as a gaming machine or, or anything else. It was, it was just like a professional computer that, happened to end up being a thing that that my parents let me play around with so that that was the thing that got me started 